let me read John 1, verses 1 to 8. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Let's pray. Verse 4 there says, In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus, thank you that in you there is life. And Jesus, we pray that would you now, by the power of your Spirit, would you shine your light into each one of our dark hearts. And we pray this for your glory. Amen. Now, if you were to go um, and look at the sort of bestseller list for books uh, in the Times, the New York Times, Time Magazine, Amazon, wherever it might be, if you were to look at the top 10 list, there are uh, two books on the top 10 lists uh, in all of those uh, that are written by the same author and have been there, both of these books, for quite some time. And they're written by the Israeli historian Yuval Harari. Uh, the first one looks back. It's called Sapiens, uh, as in Homo sapiens, and it's entitled A Brief History of Humankind. It's looking back, trying to give you the history of humankind. And then the second one, it looks forwards. It's called Homo Deus, A Brief History of Tomorrow. Many of you may have read them. They make fascinating reading, uh, speculative, uh, if fascinating. And Harari's argument is this. He says that uh, Homo sapiens, the, uh, the scientific name classification for humans, us, uh, that over the last few millennia, we humans, we have managed to subdue disease. We've managed to subdue famine. We've managed to subdue war. We've managed to subdue those things to such an extent that he says our human quest, it can turn from those things, we've done them, We can turn from those things and actually uh, can now turn to focus on a quest for immortality, a quest for everlasting life and eternal bliss. So Harari writes this. He says, having raised humanity above the beastly level of of survival struggles, we will now aim to upgrade humans into gods and turn homo sapiens, humans, into homo deus, godlike humans. Now, in many ways, it could be seen to be ludicrously optimistic. And yet, many, many people have got um, just been so enamored and so think this book is so amazing. Barack Obama, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, they have declared their huge admiration for the first book, Sapiens. Bill Gates, too. Uh, just look at what Bill Gates has written uh, about Sapiens, the book. He says this. He says, Harari poses some fundamental questions about happiness. When in our long history as Homo sapiens were we most fulfilled? As hunter-gatherers chasing down mammoths? As farmers tilling the soil? Maybe as God-fearing peasants in the Middle Ages? More fundamentally, he asks, who are we as a species? And where are we going? Bill Gates continues, he says, those are big questions. As old as the history of our species. After you finish this book, 
I have no doubt that, like me, you want to get together with some of your favorite Homo sapiens to try to answer them. And in a sense, that is what I would love to try and do at HTC over the next month, to get together with you, some of my favorite Homo sapiens, and to answer this question, to answer when and how can we, you and I, when and how can we be most happy? When and how can you and I be most fulfilled? What does it look like for you and I to live life to the full? What does that look like? So what's the answer? You know, as I looked around at our culture today for something of an answer, the best answer that I discovered was from perhaps an unlikely source, and that was from Russell Brand. Uh, Russell Brand, uh, he was interviewed a couple of months ago about this search for meaning, this search for happiness, this search for fulfillment in life. And it was fascinating how Russell Brand replied. Uh, He referred to the famous quote that many of you will have heard. He referred to the quote that says, Every man who knocks on a brothel door is looking for God. In other words, Russell Brand was pointing out the spiritual impetus, as he called it. The spiritual impetus behind so much of what you and I do and so much of what you and I desire. He says we're looking for meaning, we're looking for happiness, we're looking for life to the full because ultimately we are searching for God. You see, whether it's knocking on a brothel door or knocking on a high-powered work door or knocking on a lovely Clapham house door or knocking on a pub door, Actually, our search for meaning, for happiness, for fulfillment, whatever direction we are looking in, whatever door it is that you or I are knocking on ourselves, ultimately, he says, behind it, ultimately, it is a search for God. And really, over the next four weeks, I want us to test out how much truth there is behind what Russell Brand says. How much truth there is that actually life to the full is fundamentally found in a relationship with God. And for us to do that, examining the first three chapters of John's gospel. You see, one of the key themes of the gospel of John is life. Life. Many of you will know, pretty much all uh, theologians would say that, if you like, the theme sentence, the the purpose statement of why John wrote his gospel, it comes near the end of John's gospel in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. And at that moment in time, Jesus, the risen Jesus, has just met with doubting Thomas. And then John writes this. This is what he writes. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And this theme of life, it comes up again and again and again throughout John's gospel. Let me give you two famous examples. First one's John 5, verse 39. Jesus says this. He says, these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Again, John 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So here this evening are three challenges for each one of us. Three challenges from this opening chapter of John's gospel, challenges about this life to the full. 
Here's the first one. First challenge is this. Experience life to the full by being in Jesus. Experience life to the full by being in Jesus. Would you just look at those first three words of John's gospel? First three words there. John 1, verse 1, in the beginning. Consciously echoing the first words of the entire Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning. You see, the story that John is telling in his gospel, it is a new in the beginning story. It's a story for everyone. It is a story for the whole world. And in the beginning was the Word. And the Word is God, we see in verse 1. And incredibly, we discover that this Word, this Word is not an inanimate force, but the Word is an animate person. It's not Star Wars, may the force be with you. This is personal, this is loving. This Word is not an it, but a he. We see that in verse 4. If you look at verse 4, it says, In him. Describing the word, in him the word was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. John is telling us that we experience life, we experience life in all its fullness by being in him, the word. As we get down to verse 14, we discover that this word became flesh. This word came into the world, made his dwelling among us, and this word made flesh is Jesus. There was a man who um, opened up his meal when he was on an aeroplane flight, and he discovered a huge cockroach sitting right on top of his salad in his, um, in his uh, airplane meal. So when he uh, got off the flight, he wrote a very strongly worded letter to the airline president, and he got a special delivery letter by return post. And the letter went like this. It said this, Sir, thank you for your letter on the 4th of October. This was indeed a very unusual incident, but please do not continue to be concerned. I want to assure you that the cabin has been totally fumigated, the seats and upholstery have all been stripped out. We may even take the plane out of service. The stewardess who served you the meal is being disciplined, she may well be dismissed. This will never happen again, and I trust you will continue to fly using our airline in the future." The man was impressed by the letter until he noticed that uh, his original letter was stuck onto the back of the reply from the president. Uh, And when he looked at his own letter, he saw at the bottom of the letter was a little handwritten note. And the handwritten note simply said this, reply with standard cockroach letter. Just to rattle off a word or two can be so cheap and so easy. But God didn't do that. God didn't send his word verbally. God came in person. God loves you and I that much. God didn't just dictate a message to the world and say, this is what I'm like. When God speaks a word, he speaks a person. God became a man in space-time history. See, Yuval Harari says that we humans, we are trying to become God. We're trying. But God has become human. Verse 18, if you look there, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And you know what is so incredible is that just as Genesis 1, in the beginning, it's a creation story, 
So too, John 1, in the beginning, it is also a creation story. It is a story of how this word who became flesh can recreate the broken creation, how he can recreate you and me, however broken you or I might feel. And you know, if you want to experience life to the full, if you want to experience true happiness, true fulfillment, John is telling us don't turn to a principle or a theory. He's saying don't knock on the door of a brothel or a very nice Clapham house. He's saying don't try and fill your life with 101 challenges that you've got to meet in your life. He's saying turn to a person. Turn to a person who walked this earth And who is available to anyone, anywhere, from any background. Verse 12, it is the most amazing promise. Verse 12, he says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. If you're here this evening, and you are not yet a follower of Jesus, you can be part of this new creation story. You can experience life to the full by simply believing in Jesus and becoming a child of God. And I want to say this evening, is that a decision that you can make tonight? Is that actually a place that you have got to It would be so wonderful it was to say, actually, I'm going to choose to receive Jesus, to experience life to the full. That's the first challenge. Second challenge is this. Second challenge, expose life to the full by submitting to Jesus. Expose life to the full by submitting to Jesus. I wonder if you might look at verse 4 again. In verse 4, it says this. It says, In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And you know, I think this evening there will be many of us, and I include myself in this, many of us saying, well, actually, I have received Jesus. I'm a Christian. I put my trust in him. But actually, I don't feel like I am experiencing life to the full. I don't feel that my life is abundantly wonderful. Why not? What am I missing? And here I think is the main answer to that. I think it is not that we are lacking some spiritual anointing. It's not that we're lacking a spiritual anointing. It's more likely that it is we are loving some sinful attitude. Naturally, you and I, we love darkness. We don't want to step into the light for fear that our sin will be exposed. And so it's worth each one of us asking ourselves, where are we currently not wanting Jesus Christ's light to shine on our lives? Which bit of our lives, maybe some section of our lives, we're not, if we're honest, wanting Jesus' light to shine on that bit? Because I think that for most of us, in our heart of hearts, In our heart of hearts, if we're totally honest, we still believe that life to the full is experienced, not in Jesus, but life to the full is experienced in material fulfillment or sexual fulfillment 
or status fulfillment. And so we don't want to step into Jesus' light because when we step into the light, Jesus will show us that those things, they're, they're actually an illusion. You see, Jesus exposes that an elegant house or an exciting relationship or an esteemed job, that those things don't truly give us life to the full. You know, Jesus Christ, he is not the one who creates illusions. Many people in this world would say, Jesus creates illusions. There's there's loads of make-believe around Christianity. Jesus creates illusions. No. Jesus doesn't create illusions. Jesus exposes illusions. Negatively, he exposes where we are chasing after the wrong things for fulfillment. And positively, he exposes that life to the full is experienced by submitting to his reign and rule in our lives. The other day, our um, our two-year-old son, Theo, uh, was wanting to use our 10-year-old son, Boaz's skateboard. Now, two-year-old trying to skateboard, not a good idea. Okay, so the conversation went something along these lines. You can imagine there's Theo, age two, and he's pulling at, to try and get Theo, uh, Boaz's skateboard out. And I say to him, no, Theo, you can't have Boaz's skateboard. You're too little. You can't have it. And so he looks at me, and he says, no, I want Boaz's skateboard. I say, no, Theo, you can't have it. He says, no, it's my skateboard. I said, no, Theo, it's Boaz's skateboard. So then he goes, Boaz's skateboard is my skateboard, which is interesting logic, but there we go. I say, no, it's not. It is Boaz's skateboard. Uh, And so then he decides to change tack, and he stops, he pauses, uh, he looks up at me, and he just looks at me, and he goes, I'm in charge. (laughs) Now, that says many things about my son, and possibly about me as well, but that's not the point. But that is a picture of many of us. Actually, many of us looking up at God and saying, I'm in charge. Determinedly saying that life to the full is found with us being in charge. You and I clinging on to that illusion that the skateboard of material or sexual or status fulfillment will bring us life to the full. And the reality is that just as if Theo had gone off skateboarding, those things cannot truly fulfill. And they will tend to end in disillusionment and disaster. Do you remember C.S. Lewis's famous quote? C.S. Lewis said this. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And that is so true. By the light of Jesus, everything else is exposed. By the light of Jesus, we see the beauty of life, but we also see the ugliness of life. By the light of Jesus, we see who we really are and where we are not submitting to Jesus. But we also see who we can be in him and by his grace. Jesus Christ, he exposes what life to the full will look like if we choose to submit to him and let him shine on us and through us. And you know those words in in verse 5, they're such a wonderful encouragement. He says, darkness cannot overcome the light. Darkness cannot overcome the light. Those are important words for Haley to know. 
as she heads off to Manila. And they may be important words for many of us to know if we're feeling like we're in a dark situation at the moment. Darkness cannot overcome Jesus Christ's light. So experience life to the full by being in Jesus. Expose life to the full by submitting to Jesus. And then finally, the third challenge. Extend life to the full by lifting up Jesus. I wonder if you've noticed that this uh, chapter one of John's gospel, we hear it so often, so frequently every Christmas, that it's not just about Jesus, this first chapter of John's gospel, but it's also about John. If you look at verse 6, look at verse 6, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Or verse 15, John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, and so it goes on. Or verse 19, now this was John's testimony, and so it goes on. It's again and again and again. Chapter 1, it is all about John as well as Jesus. Now this John, it is not John who wrote this gospel. This John that's being referred to throughout chapter 1, it is John the Baptist. Except in chapter 1 of John's gospel, John the Baptist is not so much depicted as a Baptist, but he's also being depi- more being depicted as John the Witness. John the Witness. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says there, He came, John came, as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. But I'd love us to notice how John was a witness to Jesus. First of all, just notice the negatives. Look at the negatives. In verse 8, it says John himself was not the light. First negative. Look at verse 20. Go down to verse 20. Uh, John said, I am not the Messiah. Verse 21, he said, I am not Elijah. Uh, Over the page, verse uh, 27, I am not worthy to untie Jesus' sandals. Again and again, John is saying, I'm not these things. There's nothing great about me. So those are the negatives. But then contrast that with the positives that John says about Jesus. Head back to verse 15. Verse 15, John testified concerning Jesus. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Or back to verse 29. Uh, This is what John says. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's lifting Jesus up each time. Or look at verse 34, the last verse. Uh, He says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Perhaps the best summary is what John the Baptist says later in chapter 3 of John's gospel. He simply says this, chapter 3, verse 30. He says, Jesus must become greater. I must become less. Jesus must become greater. I must become less. You see, if it is true that you and I can experience life to the full in relationship with Jesus, if that is true, then it is the loving thing to do to want to extend that experience to others by us being witnesses to Jesus, just like John the Baptist was. It's why we make such a big deal of Alpha here at HTC, because there's nothing more important than other people experiencing life to the full in Jesus. And that is what Alpha's all about. 
It's an opportunity for people to, to believe in Jesus, to put their belief in Jesus when they have heard about him from a witness. And that's why it's such a good thing for Rosie to having been praying about, uh, for Vicky to be mentioning in the notices, for us to be thinking, who can we invite to Alpha? Who can you or I invite to Alpha? Who can you or I invite to church next Sunday? Who can we witness to? But here's the thing as I close. For you and I to be decent witnesses. For you and I to be effective in extending life to the full to other people. What's the most important thing for that? You know, is it that we have to be super bold and extrovert and good at talking to loads of people? Is it that we have to have all the intellectual answers to all the tough questions that are out there? Is it that we have to have some sort of special spiritual insight to see whose hearts have been softened to the gospel? Now, all those are good things, but actually they're not the most important thing for being an effective witness to Jesus. The most important thing, it's not about our competency, but it's about our character. We must be prepared to become less. We must be prepared to become less and let Jesus become greater. You and I, we must be prepared to get down off our pedestals and lift Jesus up high. You see, if that skateboard for us, if that thing that we cling to, that we think makes us feel fulfilled in life, if it is the praise of others, if it is being popular, if it is being known to be successful or being known to be in the in crowd or being known to be kind, if we are too preoccupied with ourselves, with our well-being, with our reputation well, then the truth is we will be poor witnesses to Jesus. You see, Jesus Christ, he is the only true homo deus. He is the only true homo deus. And the wise thing, the wise thing for homo sapiens like you and like me, the wise thing is for us not to become greater, for us not to become seemingly more important, no, the wise thing to do is to become less. For you and I to become less and to lift up Jesus in whom we and in whom others can truly experience life to the full. Let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. Maybe some people here tonight and actually, you do want to experience life to the full in Jesus. It's not a complicated thing. John's gospel says, to all who receive him, to those who believe in Jesus, he gives the right to become children of God. And if you're wanting to receive Jesus, I'm just going to pray a very simple prayer now that maybe you might like to echo in your heart to God. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you offer me life to the full. Sorry for so often choosing to stay in the dark, distant from you. Jesus, today I want to step into your light 
Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you are the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. Jesus, please come into my life by the power of your Spirit. And may I know the wonder of being a child of God as I receive you. Amen. And let's just keep our eyes just closed for a moment. And just as uh, people have their eyes closed, um, if that is a prayer that was a prayer that you prayed in a significant way, just while others have got their eyes closed, if you'd be brave enough, I'd love you just to raise your hand. Won't um, sort of single you out or anything like that, but just so uh, as a way of marking before God and so that I can pray for you from the front. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray for those three. John writes, in Jesus was life. And Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for those three individuals who've raised their hands there. And I pray for them right now that they might know your love for them and that they might know the life that you are giving them. Would you give them such joy and peace as they start out life to the full with you? We pray for your protection on them. We pray for your blessing on them. And we thank you that you will carry on the good work that you have begun in them. In Jesus' name we pray.